Well, welcome into Gridiron Rap. So glad you could join us. Uh, he is Bill Canist. I'm Sean Belegian. And uh, Bill, you and I were talking during the break. I, I want to start with a happy, positive note because I, I know how people are feeling about the Lions, especially after a loss like today. But you were talking about, of, of course, uh, one of the teams that we keep an eye on for good mm-hmm. reason is the Holly Broncos. And, and this yeah. past Friday night was absolutely picture Perfect, perfect for high school football in yeah. this state. It, it it really was, and you know, unfortunately, doing uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances, yeah, I didn't get an opportunity to go out and see a game. But I'll tell you what, sitting there, uh, watching and listening to uh, Bally's uh, broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, not only on television but here on seven sixty WJR, and following mm-hmm. along with so many games on Twitter, yeah. I, Friday night. Is is just a magical, magical night, and it had to be awesome uh, where you were on yeah. on Friday night as the Broncos uh, knock off uh, Flushing by a score of twenty one to fourteen. Yeah, it was. And in the in the way I would sum it up, Sean, is nobody wanted to leave after yeah. the game. Nobody wanted to leave. Um, the players meet with their family and their friends and the students on the field after the game and everybody's milling around. And then Holly has a phenomenal tradition. They have the victory bell there and uh, the kids hit the bell with the hammer for every point scored in a win. And uh, you know, packed house standing room only and a lot of alums back to visit. And, and just the, just the evening was, was perfect. I mean, weather wise, it couldn't have been any better. It was, it was beyond Friday night lights. And, and I just, found myself stepping back after the game thinking nobody wants to leave and I don't blame you. I don't want to leave either. It's so, it's so great. And uh, the students and the band and uh, oh, it gives you chills just thinking about it. You were talking about the fact that it was homecoming as well. And and, and it's interesting because uh, during my broadcast last night, the the Warriors had their homecoming game. Unfortunately, Uh, Northern Michigan uh, spoiled it with a 37-30 victory. But in, in talking to my broadcast partner, Josh Rennell, he said, hey, listen, I, no disrespect to homecoming in college. I enjoyed it. It was a fun time, but it was a lot different when I was in high school. You know, it yeah. seemed to be even more magical. You had the game, then yeah. you had the dance, and, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you don't have that in college yeah. You throw homecoming in there, and I know a lot of schools in the area probably had their homecoming uh, this past Friday night yeah. or coming up uh, for that mm-hmm. matter. But uh, there's something extra special when you're talking about the homecoming game. I was at Northville's homecoming game last weekend. You were at one last night. Right. Just special times. It really is. And, I mean, they have the parade through the town. And <laughs> you better you better arrive early because of the traffic. It just paralyzes the town. And then um, and then the beauty of high school football, obviously, is you could have three or four of your best players uh, unavailable at halftime for any adjustments because they're in the homecoming court. Right. And they're out <laughs> on the field. <laughs> and it's something that, you know, the coaches got to get used to because halftime, I think it was 20 minutes last last night or Friday night. But you just embrace it. You embrace the tradition. You embrace just, you know, the celebration of of yesteryear and today and you know the freshman float i think won the parade looking forward to tomorrow you know it just builds so much camaraderie 
and fellowship and community really in those small towns that we all uh, we all love we all love well it'll be interesting what we're, we're keeping our eye I, I know both you and i are on on holly one of the great things mm-hmm. the mhsaa did in recent years was expanding the playoff field mm-hmm. and, and I, I i think it's outstanding and and certainly yeah. holly like so many schools in the area in a position to get into the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. you know, Bill, we use the term all the time in the NFL selling hope. I think yes. the MHSAA made the right decision as well. You know, yeah. you don't want these kids sitting there at three and three going, Hey man, you know, let's, let's just do the best that we can. And, you know, may, maybe we finish five and four, right. and you want to finish over 500, but we're not going anywhere. They've explained, expanded these playoffs. There's a lot for mm-hmm. a lot of teams to play for in this area. No question. And I think football is the only sport, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, where uh, not every team does make the playoffs Mm -hmm. because every team's playing in basketball and the other sports. And um, and you want to talk about a contrast. I was on the phone this week with a gentleman from my high school Hall of Fame committee and boosters back in uh, in the Pittsburgh area. And we were literally talking about my high school's 1966 season because that's when I first fell in love with high school football. My dad took me to all the games. And Pennsylvania had the most ridiculous system for the playoffs. Our high school team finished 9-0, didn't lose the game, and won and didn't make the playoffs. Whoa. Did not make the playoffs. They had one of those nights where they just didn't play up to their ability and had a tie. There was no overtime back then either. And uh, we were talking about, oh, my gosh, how crazy that was. Thankfully, uh, to give every student athlete a chance to play one more game. Okay, no matter what the sport, one more game. Put that uniform on one more time. You know, be in that huddle with your teammates one more time it's the best and uh yeah thanks to mark yule and everybody at the mhsaa for the job they do because mark does a tremendous job and uh yeah i mean we don't want to get too far ahead my son wouldn't like us talking about that Sean. (laughs) (laughs) you know you know how coaches are but um but nonetheless yeah it's it's wonderful i always used to joke uh, with with view coaches in the past and i'm sure that you can relate to this bill uh, we in the media have the luxury of looking ahead. They yeah. don't. So mm-hmm. I know they don't like it. So I, I'd always say, but I'm just a dastardly member of the media. I, I'm yeah. allowed to look ahead. But yeah. uh, no, hey, you know what? I mean, that's one of the cool things, Bill. I found myself uh, last Friday, you know, when, when the day was done, it's, you know, time for bed. It's about 1130 mm-hmm. at night. I've gotten in as much as I could possibly get in, whether it be listening or watching or, or looking on Twitter, I find myself looking ahead to, to schedules next week. And, oh, this yeah. will be a good one next Oh, this will be a <laughs> no good doubt. one next week. And yeah. it really has become, I think, for, for many of us, not just you and I, for many mm-hmm. of us, it has become a weekly thing. As yeah. our Saturdays are spent watching Michigan or Michigan State or Wayne mm-hmm. State, whatever the case may be, our Sundays, the Lions and whatever games on on Sunday night or Monday mm-hmm. night, Friday night has become that night here. And and yeah. I, I think conversely, the coverage that it receives, yes. not only in print, but but certainly with audio and video mm-hmm. as well, is at an all-time high. It is, Sean. I was just going to mention that 
kudos to the Bally Sports of the World and the free press and the news and all the local papers. But that makes a difference. And I think initially when I came to Michigan, we were behind certainly Western Pennsylvania where high school football was was just colossal in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. But now with all the coverage, um, it's it's you know come up to, to level ground, I think, with our neighboring states. And, and that's wonderful for the schools, for the communities, for the kids, certainly the programs. And uh, it just it makes those Friday nights all that more special. Well, it seems I, I don't know, Bill, it, it seems like it's been a, a slow buildup over the past 20 years. But mm-hmm. that buildup, maybe in the 10 years, has, in, in the last decade, yeah. ha- has really just jumped up a, a good level. I mean, the, the coverage is outstanding. I can tell you with my involvement with with state champs, I mean, mm-hmm. the web hits that they get, you know, it, it's incredible yeah. how it's just grown so much in the past mm-hmm. few years. Everybody wants as much information as they can get. And now the good news is you can get it from a plethora of places as well. No question. I mean, and, you know, like we talked about last week, you know, the the, the newspaper clippings in the town diner where all the old timers are having breakfast on a Saturday or Sunday morning talking about their glory days. And now they have it at their fingertips you know, on the internet, social media, everything. So uh, it just adds to the celebration that we call Friday Night Lights. Well, we are talking football. That's what we do on Grid Iron Rap. Don't go anywhere. We'll take a look around the National Football League. Currently, just two games going on. Yeah, we'll talk some more uh, about the Lions' loss to the Seahawks today. We have a good one tonight and a good one tomorrow as well. So, hey, listen. This football frenzy weekend is not over, and that's why we're here on Sunday nights. It's Gridiron Wrap right here on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back in. It is Gridiron Wrap here on a Sunday night, 760 WJR. He's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. Letting you know what is going on uh, right now. Uh, Still a couple games in progress. You've got the Pats and the Packers at Lambeau. And, Bill, you brought this up in our chat with Chris Renwick. Not only were the Patriots dealing with their second-string quarterback, a guy by the name of Brian Hoyer, Mm -hmm. uh, and it seems like he was at Michigan State about 40 years ago. I'm I'm not (laughs) going to lie to you. Uh, But uh, now they brought in another guy that, well, Michigan State fans might be familiar with, uh, Bailey Zapp, the young man from Western Kentucky who chucked the ball all over the place. And they're hanging with the Packers. It's 24-24 at Lambeau. Yeah, uh, he's thrown at least one touchdown pass, I believe. And uh, how about that? Your your first NFL game, Lambeau Field against the Packers. Tie game a minute to go. <laughs> I mean, what a baptism. But um, the kid's hanging in there. He is hanging in there. Well, they are currently facing. Let me know if something has changed, fellas, yeah. because I have the game cast up. With a fourth and one on their own 11 with yeah. 101 to go. So yeah. surely they're going to punt the ball away. Aaron Rodgers maybe have one more crack before uh, the end of regulation. Uh, meanwhile, the Raiders still looking for their first win on the year. Currently, the Broncos uh, 31 to 23 PAT pending. So if they hit the PAT, uh, that game should be should be, being the keen operative words, 
yeah. uh, should be over with 2.02 to go, and the Raiders will be celebrating their first victory of the year. Yeah, how about that with all the uh, the preseason expectations, at least for the Raiders, and then uh, signing Devontae Adams. I mean, a lot of people picked them to win that division, and yeah. uh, now they're going for their very first win in week four. So you just don't know. You never know. But uh, it looks like New England's playing for overtime. Uh, they ran the ball on third down, fourth and one, as you said, but uh, Green Bay didn't have any timeouts left. Huh. So uh, they'll they'll punt the ball with uh, 14 seconds to go in the game. Okay. Uh, still, still have a shot. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, with uh, Aaron Rodgers, as we know all too well <laughs> at the end of games, what magic he can do. So, um, yeah, you never know. As long as there's clicks on the clock, you got a shot. A uh, couple other games, uh, the, the late games to let people know about the Cardinals uh, knock off the Panthers 26 to 16. That is a win that gives the Cardinals now a two and two record. Uh, Chargers knock off the Texans 34 24. Uh, Bill, quickly before we get to the uh, Lions, uh, the Titans and the Colts, uh, mm-hmm. that was a game that you were involved with in, in regards yeah. to your job uh, with the NFL. The Titans have now won a couple straight after an 0-2 start. They seem to be riding the ship. They come away with a 24-17 win over the Colts. Yeah, uh, the Titans looked like the Titans today, at least in the first half. They, uh, they were moving the ball. They were stopping um, the Colts offense, um, but a credit to, to Matt Ryan and, and the Colts, they fought back and they made it a game. Uh, the Titans had the ball with under two minutes to go and the Colts needed one more stop, which they could not get. They did not get that stop. And, uh, but boy, they looked good. They looked really good in the first half. No doubt about that. You know, you were talking about uh, Derek Henry as well. And just yeah, oh. to expound on a little conversation you and I had during the break. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Henry it is so fun to watch, but mm-hmm. Bill, if you if you follow this game, and yeah. and and you look at the wear and tear on running backs, mm-hmm. especially guys that run the way that Derrick Henry mm-hmm. runs, I mean he 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 runs angry. Make no mistake yeah. about that. Yeah, you have to wonder aloud what this guy's shelf life is. I'm in the meantime. Oh, by the mm-hmm. way, he continues to do Derrick Henry things. Twenty two right. carries for a buck fourteen and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he might be the aberration today, but. You know, we all we were talking, Sean, about how back in the sixties and seventies and eighties and into the nineties, running back was the premier position, uh, in addition to quarterback in the draft. But I think as as we were discussing, I think that the way the game has evolved, you know, back then you had at least one or two tight end ends in all the time to block. You know, as the game has evolved from the seventies and eighties, everything is spread out now. So I mean, heck. You know, back in the Wayne Fonts area era, we didn't even have a tight end on the roster. Yeah. Um, so, so the the game's different, and the running backs probably don't have the same type of blocking as they used to. So those collisions today, I, I think it was, it might have been Emmett Smith, I forget who, but somebody described running the football in the NFL. Uh, if you run the ball thirty times, it's like being in thirty car wrecks. Oh. And, uh, and that's the, you know, the reality of what your body's going through, but, uh, you don't have the same 
you know, John Brockington and uh, Earl Campbell, and you mentioned a couple guys um, like we used to have Larry Zonka. Um, those guys are are uh, are long behind us. Um, but Derrick Henry, the thing I, I noticed about him today, Sean, is for a guy that big and that strong, he's freakishly strong. He might be one of the strongest players in the league, however you would measure that. But he is so nimble with his feet. I mean, the jump cut and the, and the sidestep, he is really, for a guy that big and who makes his way mostly by power, um, he is very nimble. And, uh, boy, he looked good today. Well, and, and it's interesting. It's interesting. One of the things that that um, guys our age can't help but but talk about is, you know, we grew up in an era where, honestly, I mean, you you could pick a year, you could say nineteen eighty two, and you knew Franco Harris was yeah. running the ball, you knew Tony Dorsett was running mm-hmm. the ball, yeah. Walter Payton was running the ball, mm-hmm. Billy Sims was running the ball. Yeah, uh, you don't have right. that situation anymore. You don't no. know. Certainly in a game, is Dalvin Cook going to get the looks mm-hmm. on yeah. this uh, possession? Mm-hmm. You know, is Jones going to get the look on that mm-hmm. po- possession? I mean, the nature of the game and certainly the nature of the running yeah. back position has changed dramatically. It really has in the evolution of offenses like the West Coast offense, where a short crossing pattern was essentially a running play effect in Bill Walsh's offense. Let's just gain four or five yards on this short crossing pattern. You know, something you would normally in previous years hope a, a good first down run would get you. So the game has changed. Uh, the offense has changed. And with the the rule changes over the years, favoring the passing game, making it harder for the corners and the, 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 back, the back end of the defense to really defend the pass, the, the league's become more of a passing league, which we understand. And one final point that we talked about on the show numerous times, the college game really was the forerunner of that. Yep. We're spreading everything out. And uh, when did we ever think 20, 30 years ago that the, that the NFL would copy a lot of what the colleges have done, but that's what's happened over the years, especially with the spread offense. Uh, you know, Blake just sent this uh, on our thing. Uh, thank you to Blake, our fine producer tonight. Wow. That Wisconsin just fired wow. Paul Christ. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of success at Wisconsin. Make mm-hmm. no mistake about that. Uh, 67 and 26 in his time. Mm-hmm. 43 and 18 in the conference. Uh, they won the West Division. <laughs> Uh, three different times, but off to a a horrible start. There's no other way to say it. By certainly Wisconsin standards, mm-hmm. uh, they are two and three, and it culminated last night in a loss to their former coach Brett Bielema yeah. and Illinois. Uh, Bill, a game that I was watching that uh, I was stunned how un-Wisconsin like Wisconsin looked wow. yesterday. Yeah, that's a shocker to me, Sean. I remember when Coach Chris was at Pitt. And the people in Pittsburgh loved the guy and he had, he had a really good year or might've been two years. It may have been one. I can't recall, but I know Pitt was really uh, disappointed to lose him. And then he seemed to have almost immediate success at Wisconsin's his alma mater. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Got it. And it looked like one of those storybook, you know, tales where 
the favorite son was returning home and going to lead his his team to glory. But it, they made a few Big Ten championship games, but just never got. You know, they started going down the down the hill, Sean, as we talked about. They weren't going up the hill anymore, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see where that program goes uh, with the next head coach. Yeah, uh, tough loss yesterday, Illinois, especially in Madison. Uh, Bill, I don't know if you saw any of that. Illinois pounded them. They 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 won going away thirty four to ten, and I think it it stings not only that it's Illinois, Mm -hmm. but certainly it's Brett Bielema. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, I uh, like I said, I don't know what direction Wisconsin's going to go in, but I'll tell you somebody that I would look at. Uh, and he'd be high on my list is Daryl Bevel, uh, who played quarterback at Wisconsin, correct? Yes. Uh, was with the Lions for a few years. By all accounts, is doing a really good job in Jacksonville. And I, I think Daryl, uh, you know, I, I just know him enough to be really impressed with him. He has the look and the approach of a head coach. And uh, who knows, but uh, that's somebody I would strongly consider if I were the powers that be uh, at Wisconsin. No doubt. Uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, that, that yeah. is a place, boy, Bill, it doesn't seem like that long ago, at least in my mind as a young mm-hmm. fan, I think a lot of people, why is Barry Alvarez, yeah. this hot coveted name yeah. out of Notre Dame, yeah. going to Wisconsin. Well, yeah. he saw something that not a lot of people <laughs> didn't. And yeah. you, you got to give Barry Alvarez and that program mm-hmm. a heck of a lot of credit for what they've done in the last 30 plus years. No, and, I mean, uh, Wisconsin's a place yeah. that you can win. No question. And I, I think even, even the basketball program there has proven that that's a special place. I mean, anybody that's been to Madison knows that's a, a wonderful environment. Uh, athletically, academically, what have you. And uh, Barry Alvarez, yeah, to uh, to go from Notre Dame and to retire there, become the AD after his coaching days is a testament to that. All right, we'll get into the Lions, Seahawks, and, and what to look forward to the rest of the way. I, I'm going to say it again. I, I know you don't want to say to Lions fans, please be patient. That's the last thing that they want to hear because they've been patient their whole life. But yeah. This was a be patient year, and I think mm-hmm. the patience is going to be tested after a loss like today. Bill and I will talk about that a little bit. Don't you go anywhere. It's Gridiron Wrap on a Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. All right, so we've got overtime at Lambeau Field, yeah. and uh, Bill, it looks like it is just the team that we thought would be driving the ball and making things happen in overtime that was just driving the ball and trying to make things happen. Uh, the New England Patriots with their third string quarterback. Unfortunately, their drive kind of sputtered uh, in yeah. Green Bay territory. Green Bay gets the ball back. What about six fifty to go in that one now? About that, Sean. Yeah. Um, what a what, and now it's a field position battle because whoever scores next, if if either the team score wins the game, um, so it's uh, it's a, a field position um, game right now, and the Packers are backed up. Uh, I'm sure that's why New England punted the ball. They're backed up inside their 10-yard line starting this drive. Still a lot of time left in that one. Uh, it is, uh, you can probably imagine we've got a, a final in the other one that was going on. The Raiders get their first win of the year. They knock off uh, the Denver Broncos 32 
to 23 is your final there. Uh, Raiders improve to one and one. The Broncos uh, fall to two and two. So uh, good for the Raiders. As you mentioned, Bill, there were some high expectations for the Still sounds strange. Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. We should be used to it in our lifetime, Bill. They were Oakland. They were Los Angeles. And just when I got used yeah. to calling them Los Angeles, they yeah. moved back to Oakland and now they're yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, no question. But there was, there was a ton of, there was a ton of excitement for them after last season. Uh, they made the playoffs, but then they get Devontae Adams. And so you think he's going to put them over the top. So far he hasn't. I mean, they won today. I don't know what he did today. But uh, they've got a, you know, a team that can get on a roll now. They're in a tough division, as we all know. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we thought they might be 3-1 and one at this point. Certainly not 1-3, and three, but that's what, that's what they are. Uh, of course, the Lions lose today. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Want to get more in-depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lions lose today 48-45. to 45. I, I will say this, Bill, and I, I – I don't like it in my business when people aren't uh, capable of looking at both sides of a coin. That that most people in this business detest saying, I was wrong. Jared Goff is proving a lot of people, including yours truly, wrong. And if you wanna if you wanna pick them apart for throwing the pick sticks or missing a pass here or missing a pass there, that's that's your choice. Uh, Bill, point blank, I wasn't a big golf guy at all, but I think the proof is in the pudding so far this year. All things considered, he's having a pretty darn good year. He was twenty six of thirty nine today for three hundred and seventy eight yards and four touchdowns. And and if you if you want to pick apart his mistakes, as I know a lot of people are apt to do in their effort to not say those three words that everybody is so fearful of saying. Uh, at that point in time, I, I think, uh, Bill, I my response to that would be the positives far outweigh that. No question. And when it comes to quarterbacks, uh, you have to be aggressive. You have to have that, that approach, that mindset. And um, if a quarterback never throws an interception, I, I mean, I'm being absurd here by saying that, but there's something wrong. <laughs> okay. There's something wrong. He's not taking the chances you need to take. He's not taking the shots you need to take to take that next step to go up a level. And uh, I mean, when you throw for, like you said, 378 yards, holy mackerel, four touchdown passes, you put 45 points on the board you're going to win 99.9% of those games. Today wasn't one of those games, inexplicably. Um, I got I got a text from a friend uh, about a half hour after the Lions game. And it was, have the Lions ever scored that many points in a loss? And it immediately took me back to my second year here. You may remember the game. It was a Thanksgiving game against the Packers. We were up 40 to 30 with like three minutes to go at the Silverdome, obviously. Packers score a touchdown. They don't go for the onside. They kick off. I don't know if we went three or out or whatever, but uh, it would have been Jim Arnold. Booms a punt. I mean, it was a rocket ship. And it drives Walter Stanley all the way back to his 17-yard line. 
and 83 yards late 83 yards later he scores Packers won 44-40 and so I I texted my buddy I go yeah there have been a there has been a game at least one where we score and then the game in uh in Green Bay at the end of the 11th season right yeah yeah um when uh, Matthew put up 500 yards passing we scored over I think it was 45-41 in that game um, so, uh, Matt Flynn, the infamous oh. Matt Flynn game. Oh. Remember that. Oh. But, uh, all you got to do is get one more point than the opposition. Doesn't matter how many, just matters if you get that one more. And today, Seattle got that one more. 45 41. You, you had know. to bring that one up, Bill. I think a lot of us thought, you know what? The Lions are going to win the division for the first yeah. time since 93 and, you know, maybe get themselves a home playoff game. And yeah. in the process, uh, I think Matt Flynn sends uh, Christmas cards to some of the guys on that defense, no uh, maybe for the rest of his days, because yeah. he turned that into a lucrative contract elsewhere. It didn't oh. pan out, but he got that. He got that big contract elsewhere. He did. And you know what, Sean, like so many times with the Lions, uh, the Calvin Johnson play, Jim Schwartz throwing the challenge flag on Thanksgiving. In that game, there were two plays. I think it was Titus Young caught a touchdown pass in the end zone, and replay didn't. Uh, there was some quirk with the replay system, and they ruled it incomplete. And then there was another fumble on a kickoff that the officials saw that we had recovered it, but they didn't have the right angle. But there were there were rules implemented after the Lions were on the short end of two controversial calls in that game. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it seems like there was always a section in the rule book. Uh, rule, change, rule changes implemented due to Lions being on the short end in previous years because that happens so many times. Yeah, it, it really does. Hey, what about TJ Hawkinson today? I think a yeah. lot of people have been asking uh, I, at least I know people that have been saying, okay, you know, where's he been this year? This is a, a guy that I think a lot of people thought might take the proverbial next step. And uh, Bill heading into this one, he only had 10 receptions on the yeah. year for 82 yards and a single touchdown. Uh, he blew those numbers up <laughs> totally to eight receptions, 179 yards and two scores today. So ask and ye shall receive. And no it's going to be a very interesting time. I, I think the world of this guy, I like him personally. Mm -hmm. I like what he brings to the table. Uh, there are going to be some questions after the season in regards to his future. Mm -hmm. But I think he showed everybody today what this young man brings to the table and what he can bring to the table. There's no question about that. And in the first three games, so much of it is predicated of any player's um, productivity, it's predicated on matchups and what the defense is doing and who they're taking away and the game flow and possessions. I mean, a lot of what you're able to do statistically, and that's what we're talking about, is out of your hands. Uh, today, because of the matchups, because of, you know, how the um, uh, Seahawks were playing defense, uh, it was more favorable for TJ. Absolutely. And, uh, to his credit, to his profound credit, he took advantage of it. And uh, obviously, the Patriots are going to see that film uh, before next week's game. And chances are they're going to have a different approach to him than Seattle did today. Well, it doesn't get easier for the Lions. Uh, they have to take on the New England Patriots who are giving 
the Packers everything they can handle and then some. Uh, oh, by the way, with their third quarterback as well, uh, that's where the Lions are going to uh, be in action uh, next week. They've got uh, uh, a game 1 o'clock in Foxborough next week before they hit the bye week. Uh, Bill, do we have an update on that game in Lambeau? Last I saw Green Bay was driving. Yeah, they're about to uh, try a game-winning field goal. Uh, there's only 14 seconds running clock, so I'm sure the Packers are going to take a timeout here with about four or three seconds left. And um, uh, four seconds left, they take the timeout. And uh, and now <laughs> they're uh, coming on the field to, to uh, attempt a game-winning field goal. So. You know, Bill, I, I want to ask you when we come back, uh, for people out there, I, I'm sure you're aware of this if you're listening to this show, uh, there was another game in London today, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a crazy game. Boy, it seems like every game that Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota yeah. Vikings play is a crazy <laughs> game, no doubt about that. But, uh, Bill, I want to yeah. pick your 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 brain in regards to, Lord knows there have been so many rumors and speculation and innuendo uh, about the national football league in Europe. And there's a game in Germany uh, later on. I want to pick your, your, your brain and, and um, you know, kind of find out if you think that that is the end game to eventually play more of these games. Dare I say, put a team in Europe one day. Uh, We'll, we'll talk about that. Talk about some of the college action as well, but we are past break. Don't you go anywhere. One more segment to go here on Gridiron Rap on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back in. Glad you can join us. Uh, Bill, uh, the Green Bay Packers survive yeah. a serious challenge, mm-hmm. and uh, they win in overtime over the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we seen that in Lambeau Field? Um, Crosby trots on the field, kicks the, the game-winning field goal, and uh, – you know, some way, somehow, they always seem to get it done up there. Um, but kudos to the Patriots, really, because no one, no one expected them to keep it close with Brian Hoyer at quarterback, let alone the rookie. And the young man did well. He'll probably get all the first-team reps this week. You would, you would assume. Uh, so he'll be that much more prepared for next week when the Lions play the Pats. Uh, well, Bill, you know, I, I've been meaning to ask you this because, again, there was a game at 9.30 this morning uh, over in London, and uh, the Minnesota Vikings knock off the New Orleans Saints. You were a part of a couple different teams mm-hmm. that went over there. Uh, I'll never forget, I was still doing the Fox 2 pregame show at the time, and we were on at 7 a.m., yeah. and uh, I, that that um, that was different. I'll leave it at that. We did our little pregame show <laughs> Uh, 7 a.m. Of course, Dan, the voice of the Lions, was uh, in London. The rest of us were in studio, but that that was different to get up and have uh, the morning breakfast uh, be mm-hmm. football. And I have a lot mm-hmm. of friends on the West Coast that told me, oh, my gosh, it's great <laughs> to just get up and watch football. No, thank you. I'll take it the way that we have it here. Uh, but the NFL is also making a trip to Munich later this year mm-hmm. as the Seahawks and Buccaneers will – uh, be playing the first regular season game in Munich. So with that, Bill, it starts, uh, I guess, a whole new brand set of questions and uh, some wondering if the NFL will ever move, end up moving 
to Europe? Well, Sean, it it has evolved over the years. I mean, the first foray for the NFL in in London was preseason games, the old American Bowl series. In fact, the Lions played in the in the very last American American Bowl series game against Dallas in 1993, um, because the the locals were starting to realize or finally realize these games don't count. Okay, so you know, they weren't showing up as much as they had been when it initially started. The games over there, uh, and I'll just go back to to the game that uh, the Lions played in, in 2014, Jim Caldwell's first year as our head coach. And we beat Atlanta on a last second field goal by Matt Prater. And the, the stadium was packed. It was sold out. The week was very festive, a lot of it orchestrated by the NFL. And I remember prior to the to the game day, the NFL has a local PR office in London, international PR. And I I mean, there are so many newspapers and periodicals in London. I mean, they're everywhere. And I had made arrangements, win or lose, for all the papers to be sent to me back in Detroit. And we win the game on the last play, and it's a kicker. So, you know, there was some talk. Oh, this is great for the fans. It's a kicker. It's almost like soccer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, Sean, the thing that was so astounding to me, I probably got 20 different newspapers sent to me. And it was as if uh, it was a – and I'm saying this respectfully – it was a uh, MIAA game, Adrian and Albion, uh, with respect to the coverage mm-hmm. in all the papers. Nothing out front, nothing on the first page of sports, very little coverage. And I was astounded at it. And it mm. it left me with a couple of impressions. One was, there was is there some type of almost uh, organized mutiny against American football over there by the media? Because the coverage was so minuscule, yeah. Um, and then I, you know, talked to league people and others, and and I made the point: we almost have to what has, you know, in in very direct ways and indirect ways, we almost have to. And I, I say this um, respectfully: almost partner with some of the media over there to guarantee the coverage that we believe our game deserves, because uh, we just weren't getting it. So is it? Is it a niche thing over there where you're you're going to sell 70,000 tickets for four or five games a year, no matter what? Um, or is, I mean, there's very uh, ingenious ways of measuring, you know, all the impact that the NFL has in London. And really what it comes down to, as we all know, Sean, is the revenue um, that it can generate. Um, but uh, it wasn't, on some, on some hand, one hand, it was exceptional. On the other hand, I was surprised at the the media reaction and coverage to it. Um, And you and I talked about, do I ever think that there would be a team based in London? At this point, I don't know how it can happen. There's just, you know, from, you know, players clearing waivers, going over, coming over this way, visas, international travel, security, you know, purposes, um, could there be four or five teams over there perhaps where they would play each other for the first month of the season, travel, uh, 
over to the States and have almost like a USFL approach where they all came over and stayed here together for four or five weeks and, and played in the States and then go back and do that twice a year. I don't know. Um, but we have very intelligent people involved with those decisions. But at the, at, at the present time, at least, I just, you know, and then the currency differences can fluctuate dramatically. Yeah. I mean, some players in the States, some, some local players, they'll make a decision as a free agent to go here, or maybe I'll go to Florida where there's no state income tax. Yep. And, and that's factored in as you would expect. So the, the currency evaluation and differences between the UK and the States, um, I don't know what that is, but I know it would be a factor. So um, I think it's a good thing that's going right now. And uh, I, I would guarantee this, the NFL, if, if there's a way it can work, the NFL will discover that way and make it work. Well, I'm not going to mention any names, but I, I have talked uh, extensively with a few guys that made that trek. And they love the trek overall, Bill, with one notable exception. <laughs> you food. better win the game, buddy. <laughs> I'm telling you. You better win the game because <laughs> when you win that seven hour, whatever it is, playing right back is phenomenal. Yeah. When you lose, you might as well walk the Atlantic because <laughs> it ain't no fun. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. Blake, thank you. Bill, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Gridiron wrap.